MSW Media. Thanks to Osea for supporting Daily Beans. Osea has been making products that are clean, vegan, and safe for your skin and the planet for over 25 years. We have a special discount just for you. Get 10% off your first order with promo code DAILYBEANS at OseaMalibu.com. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, April 20th, 2022. Today, Joe Biden tells Barack Obama he's running for president again in 2024. An Oath Keeper releases a trove of text messages in a motion meant to fight pretrial detention. John Eastman is done reviewing the rest of his emails sought by the 1-6 committee. And a federal judge allows voters to sue to keep Marjorie Taylor Greene off the ballot under the 14th Amendment. I'm your host, Allison Gill. All right, so Joe Biden's running for president again. I think we all sort of saw that coming, but very cool. Nonetheless, I will vote for him again. Dana's out for the day. She'll be back tomorrow. There's also an episode of Cleanup on Aisle 45 out today where Andrew and I go over the new Durham filings, which are ridiculous and also late. And we go over some John Eastman stuff in detail, too. So you want to check out Cleanup on Aisle 45 today if you get a chance. We have a lot of news to get to today. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. First up from Hugo Lowell at The Guardian in a thought provoking piece in response to the trove of text messages we got last night in a court filing from a member of the Oath Keepers. Hugo says, top leaders in the Oath Keepers militia group indicted on seditious conspiracy charges over the Capitol attack had contact with the Proud Boys and a figure in the Stop the Steal movement and may also have been in touch with the Republican Congressman Ronnie Jackson, according to newly released text messages. The texts, which indicate the apparent ease with which the Oath Keepers messaged the Proud Boys, could strengthen a theory being explored by the House January 6th Committee and the Department of Justice that the Capitol attack included a coordinated assault. Oath Keeper's text messages released in a court filing on Monday night show members of the group were in direct communication with the Proud Boys leader Enrique Tario in the days before the Capitol attack. And as you know, in that Enrique Tario pre-detention trial motion, they said that the DOJ expects to have some superseding indictments and to add some folks to the indictment of the Proud Boys. And I think we're going to see a seditious conspiracy charge. And this trove of text messages sort of drives that point home. And they got these text messages from the Department of Justice. So the Department of Justice has them. In an exchange on January 4th, Oath Keepers Florida chapter leader Kelly Meggs indicates an attempt to call Tario after learning of his arrest. I just called him no answer, Meggs texted a group chat, but he will call if he's out. That close relationship is certain to be one of interest to the House committee as it zeroes in on whether the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys coordinated an attack on the Capitol. As The Guardian first reported, Hugo continues, the committee has amassed deep evidence of connections between the far right groups, which could play a role in establishing whether Trump oversaw a criminal conspiracy as part of his attempt to hold on to power. The newly released text messages also show a link, a new link between the Oath Keepers and an unnamed figure from the Stop the Steal movement, which has ties to the pro-Trump operative Roger Stone and to Ali Alexander. And this is very important. A lot of people aren't covering this, but Hugo picked this out. He says on the evening of January 1st, Stuart Rhodes, the national leader of the Oath Keepers, texted to say he was adding an unidentified person affiliated with Stop the Steal to the group chat to help them prepare 
for January 6th. The name is redacted in the release text, but Rhodes described him as an event producer for Stop the Steal. He requested I add him here. He can sort out who is doing what in the creative chaos that will be January 5th and 6th. He's a good egg. Now, it was not clear whether Rhodes misattributed the affiliation to Stop the Steal, given that the January 6th rally at the Ellipse was actually a Save America event, not Stop the Steal. And neither Alexander nor Stone appeared to message the group chat or were otherwise involved. The Oath Keeper's text messages also show a connection to Ronnie Jackson that allowed one of its members to learn that the Texas congressman, Trump's former White House doctor, needed protection. The potential connection between the Oath Keepers and a Republican member of Congress could mark a new investigatory direction for the committee and the Justice Department. Whether Jackson or others might have had advanced knowledge of the Oath Keepers' plans. In the exchange, which was on January 6th, an unidentified Oath Keeper texts a group chat, quote, Ronnie Jackson, office inside Capitol, he needs okay help, Oath Keepers' help. Anyone inside? Question mark. That same Oath Keeper provides an update less than 10 minutes later. Dr. Ronnie Jackson on the move, needs protection. If anyone inside, cover him. He has critical data to protect. What sort of critical data could Ronnie Jackson have? And how did this Oath Keeper know he was on the move? And how did he know he needed protection? Did Ronnie ask for it? I'm not sure. The Oath Keeper's texts were included in a motion for release from pretrial detention by Ed Vallejo. That's one of 11 group members facing charges for seditious conspiracy. On January 6th, prosecutors say, Vallejo was at a Comfort Inn in Virginia with a cache of weapons meant to act as a quick reaction force, or QRF. The messages show Oath Keepers discussed providing security for prominent Trump allies, including Roger Stone, Ali Alexander, Alex Jones, Lynn Wood, and Mike Flynn. Quote, Roger Stone just asked for security. Watkins texted the group chat on January 1st. And Megs, Kelly Megs, responded, who reached out to you? I spoke to him, Roger Stone, on Wednesday. Megs uses the alias OKGator1 and said, I just texted him. So they were in communication. Kelly Megs and Roger Stone. Now, this entire trench, which has been shared widely on social media, is only part of the story. You'll note if you click on the link, page one is marked as an exhibit. The entire 300 plus pages is a group of exhibits filed as an attachment to a motion for release from pretrial detention. No one is covering that motion. So I will. It's a 33-page motion to keep Vallejo, who was arrested the same day as Stuart Rhodes when they were all charged with seditious conspiracy, out of jail. Now, in this filing, Vallejo's lawyer, Matthew Peed, is arguing that Vallejo should be released to the custody of his wife pending trial because he's not a danger to the public, not at all. I wanted to read the motion because everyone was posting the text messages saying these were attached to a motion to keep Vallejo out of jail pending trial. And I couldn't understand how any of what was in those texts or exhibits could possibly help Vallejo's case. And I wanted to read the motion because I assumed it would explain why the lawyer was attaching all those text messages. Like I was looking for an explanation of, look, here's the text message where they talk about Ronnie Jackson. Notice that my client Vallejo isn't mentioned at all. You know, something to reference this bulk of, of exhibits. So I got the motion thanks to some help on Twitter and uh, read it. And as it turns out, his lawyer is just an idiot. 
His argument is that since Vallejo only went to D.C. because Trump and Rhodes made him, and since Trump is no longer president and Rhodes is in jail and can't tell him to break the law anymore, he's no longer dangerous. In fact, Pede said Vallejo is so nice and gentle and amazing that it would actually be dangerous to the community to lock him up. The community's safer with him out on the streets. And believe it or not, that's his most cogent argument. Pete alludes to the text messages, saying they prove that Vallejo wasn't there to cause problems. And while he doesn't point to any specific messages that prove that, he says, you know, just generally they show that it's really just Rhodes and Trump and, and Vallejo's friend that are the bad guys. And you would think that when making that argument, you wouldn't include any text messages or podcast transcripts that show Vallejo is a violent asshole, but you would be wrong. Not only do some of the texts and transcripts show Vallejo was all in, but his lawyer in the filing specifically adds language that is devastating to his own case. One example, while arguing that Vallejo wasn't there for violence or to disrupt the electoral act or the electoral count, and that he's only there to defend against Antifa and help support Oath Keepers and veterans in case they get stuck or arrested, the lawyer quotes his own client where he says that if Donald doesn't declare martial law, it's going to turn into guerrilla war. Another idiotic contradiction is that in one part of the filing, the lawyer argues that Vallejo wasn't part of any quick reaction force. He didn't even hear about that. He didn't even know. And the only reason he brought 200 pounds of food is because he thought they were all going to go camping. But in another part of the filing later, the lawyer admits his client sent a message saying, we're not leaving after the attack on the Capitol. This isn't over. We're in it for the long haul. We'll start again at 6 a.m. We have 30 days worth of food. It's just contradicting himself. Now, I've shared screenshots of this motion along with a link to it in, in its entirety. And I did this in a Twitter thread I posted early in the day on April 19th. So give it a peek if you get a chance. It's, uh, it's really special. Next up, attorney John Eastman revealed Monday that he has asserted attorney-client privilege on 37,000 pages of emails related to his work for then-President Trump in the effort to overturn the results of the election. The January 6th Select Committee has objected to every single claim over those pages, which now sends the gargantuan dispute to the U.S. District Court Judge David Carter for a case-by-case review. Eastman revealed the scope of the dispute in a status report to Carter, concluding a three-month review that Carter demanded he undertake. And since January, he's been reviewing about 1,000 to 1,500 pages per day. Carter's already ruled he believes Eastman and Trump more likely than not engaged in a criminal conspiracy to obstruct Congress in an effort he called a coup in search of a legal theory. He's described the select committee's work as urgent, but now he must determine how to parse these 37,000 pages in time for the committee to employ them in its ongoing investigation of Trump's effort to subvert the transfer of power. The emails are all drawn from Chapman University, where Eastman was employed. Carter then ordered the review that Eastman undertook. The select committee urged Carter to prioritize documents sent from January 4th to January 7th. We did that. There was 111 emails. The judge reviewed them and sent, I think, all but 10 over to the committee, one of which fell under the umbrella of the crime fraud exception to attorney-client privilege. The select committee has raised doubts about whether Eastman was legitimately acting as Trump's lawyer prior to January 6th. Eastman, under an order from Carter, produced a retainer agreement dated December 6, 2020, but it was unsigned, and it's not clear when it became effectuated, which means any emails before December 6, 2020, even though it was unsigned, there's nothing that exists before December 6th. Any of those emails could be handed over. 
But Carter also ruled Eastman did eventually become Trump's attorney, noting that he filed court papers on Trump's behalf in late December and communicated with Trump's top White House aides and other officials. So maybe late December is when the cutoff date is. Of the 90,000 pages of emails subject to the select committee subpoena, 30,000 were immediately ruled out as irrelevant. Eastman made no privilege claims over an additional 25,000 pages. Quote, defendants made no objection to Dr. Eastman's claims of privilege over 643 documents, totaling 3,006 pages, but did object to every claim of attorney-client privilege and work product protection that Eastman asserted with respect to his representation of former Trump, former President Trump, or his campaign committee. Eastman's attorney, that's from Eastman's attorney, Charles Burnham. Those 3,264 documents totaling 37,650 pages have therefore been submitted for in-camera inspection. This seems like a delay tactic to me. Andrew and I go over the options of what the judge can do now, given the already ruling that came out about the emails from January 4th through the 7th. And we cover that on today's Cleanup on L45 pod. So check it out if you haven't. And from freespeechforthepeople.org, a federal judge in Atlanta today denied Marjorie Taylor Greene's attempt to block a challenge brought by Georgia voters to her candidacy under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment of the Constitution, otherwise known as the Insurrectionist Disqualification Clause. U.S. District Judge Amy Totenberg ruled against Rep. Uh, Greene's motion for a preliminary injunction to stop the challenge from proceeding this week before a state administrative law judge. The ruling is marked in contrast to a March 4th ruling by a federal judge in North Carolina who ruled that an 1872 law, which gave amnesty to ex-Confederates, provided amnesty as well to future insurrectionists, effectively nullifying Section 3 of the 14th Amendment and blocking a similar challenge brought by North Carolina voters to Madison Cawthorn's candidacy. Last Thursday, the U.S. Appeals Court granted the North Carolina voters an expedited schedule for a hearing of their appeal of that ruling with oral arguments scheduled for May 3rd. As a result of Totenberg's ruling back in Georgia, Georgia voters will have their challenge against Rep. Green heard before a state administrative judge in Atlanta with a hearing currently scheduled for Friday, April 22nd, 9.30 a.m. at the official state administrative hearings. That's 225 Peachtree Street, Northeast, Suite 400 South Tower in Atlanta. The Georgia voters, through their counsel, have issued a subpoena for Rep. Green to appear at that hearing and testify under oath. The voters are represented by Free Speech for the People, nonpartisan, nonprofit legal advocacy organization. We've had John Boniface on here from that organization to talk about these proceedings. They have leading constitutional law experts serving as co-lead counsel in the matter, along with New York-based Emery Sully Brinkerhoff, Abatey Ward, and Maisel LLP. Brian Sells, the Atlanta-based civil rights lawyer specializing in voting rights election law, is serving as a local counsel. Free Speech for the People also serves as co-lead counsel in the challenge to Cawthorn's eligibility to appear on the ballot. And in similar challenges filed last week in Arizona against Andy Biggs and Paul Gosar and State Rep. Mark Fincham, who's running for Secretary of State. As you know, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, known as the Insurrectionist Disqualifications Clause, provides no person shall be senator or representative in Congress who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress, to support the Constitution of the United States, shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same, or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. The purpose of the Insurrection Disqualification Clause, passed in the wake of the Civil War, is not to punish the oathbreaker, but rather to protect the country. No criminal conviction or prior adjudication is required under the Insurrectionist Disqualification Clause, although Green would be able to seek judicial review of an adverse decision. 
Anyone seeking to run for public office in Georgia shall meet the constitutional and statutory qualifications for the office being sought under Georgia's candidacy challenge statute. Once a challenge is filed, the Secretary of State must request a hearing before an administrative law judge of the Office of State Administrative Hearings to determine whether the candidate is qualified for office. The burden of proof then shifts to the candidate who must affirmatively establish their eligibility for office. So we'll see how that works out. The hearing is Friday. It's going to be public. I think it's going to be televised. Marjorie Taylor Greene is angry about it. You know, since the insurrection, Greene has attempted to defend the violence on January 6th as justified by the Declaration of Independence, calling convicted participants political prisoners of war and falsely claiming that the violence at the Capitol was perpetrated by Antifa or the FBI. And in some late-breaking news, the U.S. Department of Justice today released the following statement on the Health Freedom Defense Fund et al. v. Biden et al. from spokesman Anthony Coley. The Department of Justice and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention disagree with the district court's decision. That's the one where the 34-year-old unqualified judge decided that masks are no longer required on airplanes or trains. Subject to CDC's conclusion that the order remains necessary for public health, the Department of Justice continues to believe that the order requiring masking in the transportation corridor is a valid exercise of the authority that Congress has given CDC to protect public health. That's an important authority the department will continue to work to preserve. On April 13th, before the district court's decision, CDC explained that the order would remain in effect while it assessed current public health conditions and that the Transportation Security Administration would extend its directive implementing the mask order until May 3rd to facilitate the CDC's assessment. If the CDC concludes that a mandatory order remains necessary for the public's health after that assessment, the Department of Justice will appeal the district court's decision. DOJ has not asked for an emergency injunction to put the masks back on, but here we are. All right, stick around. I'll be right back with the good news. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and today's show is brought to you by Osea. I decided to make personal care a priority this year. I'm trying the amazing skincare line from Osea. Since 1996, Osea has been making clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and for the environment. They have award-winning cleansers and serums and face moisturizers. Osea just released an incredible body butter that moisturizes skin for up to 72 hours. And this is what I've been doing. Every night, as part of my self-care, I've been using this body butter, and it's absolutely amazing. I love the way it makes my skin feel It looks silky smooth. Uh, It's not sticky or greasy. It absorbs really well. So another one, too, that uh, that I use right after that is Osea's body oil. It's luxurious. It makes your skin glow and it feels soft and you become hydrated and nourished. It's just wonderful. And just spending that time with yourself is so important. Osea offers exceptional value, by the way. All their products are made to the highest standards. They're used in a lot of spas around the country. And you can tell it's just got this amazing spa quality to it. I know you'll love it as much as I do. Find your new skincare favorites at oseamalibu.com and get a special discount just for listeners. And by the way, Osea is a woman-run company. And so I I love that about them because they understand that importance of self-care. You can get 10% off your first order right now with promo code dailybeans at oseamalibu.com. You'll get three free samples with every order and orders over $50 get free shipping. You're going to want it all, by the way. So go to Osea, O-S-E-A, Malibu.com and use code DAILYBEANS at checkout. You'll be glad you did. And today's episode is also brought to you by Helix Sleep. The quality of sleep we receive plays a very big role in our mental and physical health, as you know. 
Sleep deprivation severely affects our ability to function. You lose focus, you're tired all day. There's just nothing. You just don't feel like doing anything. Now, previously, as you know, I had trouble falling asleep. I couldn't stay asleep either. And then I would wake up in the morning sore and discombobulated and it was hard to get out of bed. In the beginning, I thought it was stress, but turns out I was sleeping on somebody else's mattress. And that is why I'm grateful for Helix. Helix has a mattress to fit any body type or sleep style. You can find your perfect mattress with their quick online sleep quiz. A variety of mattresses are available, whether you want soft or firm, or you want to regulate your body temperature or align your spine, or to get a plus-size mattress like the Helix Plus. Now, for me, the Helix Midnight was perfect because I sleep on my side and I like a medium-firm mattress. And now I fall asleep fast. I stay asleep through the night. I wake up feeling refreshed and alert. Helix has over 12,000 five-star reviews. They were awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. And they have financing options and flexible payment plans. So a great night's sleep is never far away. They have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 sleeps risk-free. They'll pick it up and give you a full refund if you don't love it, but you will. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helixsleep, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. All right, since Dana and Amy are out, please enjoy this rerun of The Good News with Amy Carrero from the episode called Prosecco is a Vegetable from December 4th, 2020. Joining me today for The Good News is Amy Carrero. Amy, how was your week? Hi, I feel like I haven't talked to you in so long. It's only been a week, though. Um, or two weeks. No, it's um, been it's been two weeks. Yeah, because yeah. we had we had Thanksgiving. That's right. Well, how was your Thanksgiving? I was nice. I made myself a little dinner and ate it and then went to sleep. Nice. <laughs> Same, except Tim and I attempted to make turkey breasts. And let me just I mean, I'm sure most of the listeners know this because they're functioning adults. But uh, turkey breast is not the same as um, cooking a whole turkey. In fact, it has no flavor. So wouldn't recommend. <laughs> Yeah, I made a little Cornish game hen with some onion powder and garlic and paprika and rosemary and thyme. And it was delicious. And I ate that little guy. God, that sounds delicious. And I had some stuffing and potatoes. And I got got chastised on the socials for not having a vegetable. But um, I eat vegetables every single day of my (laughs) life. So wait, so you had... You had stuffing and and chicken. And what were the sides, the other sides? Just stuffing and mashed potatoes. Mashed potato is a vegetable. Mm-hmm. Not technically, I guess. Oh, it's, it's not? A starch. Oh, for no. fuck's sake. It grows in the ground. It's a vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> and I think and I'm and I'm pretty sure stuffing has like celery in it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You had a vegetable. Yeah. Right. And and I think prosecco is a vegetable, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, there we go. So taken care of. We did it. <laughs> Oh, thank you for sending in your good news stories. I'm excited to read these. You can send these in if they're personal or political, or if you have a confession or a correction, if I made a mistake, you're going to send them all in, all in the same place, dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Um, I'll kick us off if that's cool with you, Amy. Yeah. All right. First up from anonymous pronouns, he and him. Good news. First of all, thank you, AG, so much for all the work you're doing to keep us informed and sane going through these past four years. Deep breath and relief. Mm. 
I am a teacher at a, uh, and distance learning has been rough, but it has brought a few good things into my life. Staying home all the time has spoiled my cats and invented a new game of cat bowling where we will throw a treat down a long hallway and watch while the younger cat bounds happily down the hallway after it. <laughs> I've also been taming a local stray back in April when I started trying to feed him. He was skin, bone, and scabs. Being a tom, he regularly gets in squabbles with others. After several months of food and treats, I'm happy to report that he is becoming a little chonker. And when I approach him, I'm greeted with a lifted nose that he expects to be booped. Pictures include uh, as pet picture included as pet tax. Black and white one with the door on his head, uh, with the door with... (laughs) <laughs> With his head in the bowl is the stray. The little black one in my lap is one of the little bowlers. Little pleasures and small good news are nice pieces. Small good news pieces are nice. I'm writing because I had a huge joyous surprise. Yesterday, I found out one of my former students that I taught in speech and debate and science has been named by Biden as no. Deputy Treasury Secretary. What? <gasps> what? Wally Adiema was incredibly intelligent. You you taught <gasps> Wally? That's so cool. Was incredibly intelligent and a gracious student. And I'm so excited to hear he'll be serving with Biden and Harris. Having no kids of my own makes my students all the more dear to me. This is amazing. Super proud teacher moment. You didn't lead with that, Anonymous? Oh, my God. <laughs> he buried the lead. Oh, he did. He buried the lead. P.S. Amy, my wife and I have been watching She-Ra whenever we need an emotional Aww. boost. Look at this baby kitty. That is so sweet. And the little stray kitty. Oh, he looks good. Now, let me ask you a cat, a cat question. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, kudos to Anonymous because this, I mean, my mom's a teacher. I, I cannot imagine how challenging it must be during this time especially, but it's got to feel so freaking good to have mm-hmm. a student that is so accomplished you know, like reach these heights. Like how, how great is that? Mm, Yeah. I was just, you know, um, when they had their, you know, their economic council introduction of these positions and Wally got up and spoke. um, I'm so impressed and just, I'm really excited. He's going to be working um, with Janet Yellen there at uh, the treasury department. She's the first woman secretary, and he will be the first black uh, deputy secretary of treasury. It's just so many firsts, and it's incredible. And and what an amazing, intelligent, brilliant uh, man he is. So congratulations. Congratulations. Can I ask a quick question about cats? Because I unfortunately don't have any cats, as I am deathly allergic. It's very sad. It's like one of the biggest tragedies of my life. But can a stray cat become a domesticated cat? Or mm-hmm, is that yeah. a no-no? Oh, you can't. Okay, okay, okay. I see. Yeah. It's just a matter of whether they want to come. Well, I mean, some do, some don't. Some cats, right. some feral cats will never be domesticated. Um, right. But, you know, you take them, you, you always take them to the vet, make sure you check them out, make sure they aren't going to bring anything to to your healthy right. gatos. And and then, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've I've brought in a couple of feral cats in, in my time. Oh. And... A lot of times, if you just neuter them or spay them, they chill, yeah. you know? Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's good to know. Which you should always do. Absolutely. Oh, so cool. Well, thank you for that bit of info. Okay, next up, we have um, Perk, pronouns she, her. Fun photo, saw this license plate on the streets of Reno, and it made me think of my ladies of the beans. Thank you for all your work. I love the podcast. I feel... 
much smarter for it. And it's a picture of, uh, is that a Honda Pacific or uh, something Pacifica, Plymouth? I don't know. And the, the license plate says Daily Bean, D-L-Y-B-E-A-N. That's really cool. I can't even think of what else that could mean. I, I, I truly can't either. I really can't. Maybe, maybe they have a, a YouTube account where they showcase their beanie babies. But that's my only other guess. D L Y B E A N. I mean, that's Daily Beans. Yo, if there's someone Delay? in Nevada writing, right, listening and riding around in that white car with the Daily Bean license plate, let us know. We really want to know. That's incredible. That would be weird. That'd be so cool. Uh, and and also they spent the extra of cash on the you know the the license plate like custom. Which is yes. very cool. Yes, indeed. Look at that. That's so amazing. Okay. I have to know. Now I have to know. And I would like I want to put it on social media, but then do I oh, is right. that oh, illegal? Wait. Like we just gave you know? away I just gave away their license plate. Yeah, but huh. I mean Right. It, no, I hear you. I hear you. Huh. I don't know. All I right, know. well we'll figure out <laughs> we'll figure out. If you're listening <laughs> out there, please give us a signal. Yeah, let us know. Uh, okay, next up from Brianna, pronoun she and her. I don't know if it's Brianna or Brianna, but pronoun she and her. Good day and good cheer, beanie brethren and cistern. Ever since AG mentioned her love of chickens, I've been racking my brain to try to come up with some confession or good news I could submit purely <laughs> as an excuse to send this photo of my youngest spawn and his favorite pet chicken, oh. Ruth Bader Hensburg. Bye. Uh, Ruth is an Easter egger who lays green eggs, but she was wow. named because of her lovely feather collar that reminded us so much of our late great feminist hero. The truth is, it shouldn't be so hard for me to find the good news in the, in the fire swamp that has been this last year, but it's easy to lose perspective when you feel that you must constantly be vigilant for the flame spurts, lightning, sand, and R-O-U-S's that have plagued our nation for the last four years. Yes, the fire swamp. Yes, I just called our current, but soon to be passing White House occupants and sycophants rodents of unusual size. Great Princess <laughs> Bride reference, Brianna. In any case, we should move towards uh, um, a new dawn. I realize that what happened this year is a new closeness has grown between my three sisters, one brother, Aww. myself, and our remaining parent, my mom. We've texted more, FaceTimed and Zoomed almost weekly. Somehow, even though they are in Alaska and I'm in flyover country, I feel closer to them than I have in years. We've even participated in virtual charity runs together as a team. Aww. The pragmatically salient morphemes. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it. I dug deep and found some joy. Thank you deeply for helping me stay positive and for bringing perspective, humor, and joy to all of us humble listeners. Now tell me what an adorable pecker I have. <gasps> Bye. O-M-G. Well, there's two adorable figures in this picture. Mm, that's a beautiful chicken. That's a beautiful chicken. I would. I need to know more about these green eggs. I don't think I've ever seen a green egg. I thought that was just in the book. I, I guess they're called <laughs> Easter eggers when they lay peculiar colors. But look oh, at this. Fun. Look at this kid. Look at those eyelashes the kid on him. Is the, I mean, you know what? It's really the great, the great injustice of of the the world, which is like little boys get the best eyelashes, <laughs> and then so we just you know glue stuff on them for the rest of our lives. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, not jealous at all. Very cute. Love, 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 love. Okay, next up we have Angela, pronouns she, her. D 
Did you know if you get an extra advent calendar and start it on December 27th, it turns into an inauguration calendar? <laughs> um, <laughs> if it's one of those 12 day calendars, start it on January 8th. I'm thinking about getting one of <laughs> one of those with booze. I'm enclosing a picture of my pod kittens for the podcast tax. Doing a cute seasonal kitten thing, we were uh, we keep trying to convince them not to do. Oh my gosh, I uh, I really cats. butchered this, but this makes up the cat. I mean, bye. Cats in Christmas trees. Send those pictures immediately if you have them. Cats in the tree. This cat is in the tree and he's looking at you like, "What the fuck? I'm in the tree. Leave me alone." The the cat is like, "I'm being naughty and deal with it. I'm still yeah. getting gifts now." This is great. I saw this yesterday on Twitter. Um, all the advent calendars are going to go on sale on December 26th, right? And I right. was actually along those lines, Angela. I was thinking of getting one that has like the little tiny, you know, airline liquors, the little airport bottles, the little God, baby, yes. baby boozes. And uh, the advent calendar becomes an inauguration day calendar. It is. That is very cool. You know, it would be bonus fantastic. points if you got one that had the little boxes, you know, like the little tiny baby doors. And in each door, you put like a sippy cup of alcohol in it <laughs> or like a themed cocktail every day. I mean, this is this is you're committing, but I'm just saying it's not a bad idea. Yeah, I think that's great. Inauguration Day calendar. It's we're getting so close. Oh, but the news just keeps happening. Um, and so does the good news, though. So let's finish this off with this submission from Anonymous, pronouns she, her. Anonymous says, sometimes I listen to a little of your podcast at half speed and laugh my ass off for a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I've told people to do this, um, I, like we've had experiments, like I'll talk really fast and say listen to it at half speed. But if you listen to me like regular and then you take it like if I'm talking normal and you take it down to half speed, I sound like the drunk lady at the bar who just wants to talk about politics with you. Do you sound like the lady um, at the hearing with Giuliani yes. the other day? Yes, I sound like that lady. I sound there like was 20 lady. pounds of fraud. <laughs> there are. Let's just look at it. You look at it. Wait, I need to try. You this. don't even know. You don't even know. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that's so hilarious that's like when people were doing that thing where they where they play um was it the wizard of oz in in sync with with the with the wall the pink floyd album and if you're oh, like uh -huh. high it like matches up perfectly <laughs> or something dude if you're high the wall matches up perfectly with anything with anything so true <laughs> you're really an icon you've really made it people are actually like slowing down your voice just to see the secret messages like that's yeah, that's pretty cool i'll start talking backwards and see if you can figure out my messages uh anyway she goes on um the photos here are our little pup squad uh, of four rescues oldest is roscoe with the football then shasta grandma's grandma jean's little white multi-poo that's Shasta. And our newest black and white set, Rosie and Duke, sharing a Frisbee. Keep up all the great work. I listen every day to keep me sane and grounded in truth. Thank you all. Look at these two wow. puppers. Wow, 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 wow. They're beauties. Twinsies going after it. One is a little chonker. Look at him. He's got a little... Got a little girth. Got a little love handle thick, thick so in the cute. middle. And then there's that cute Maltipoo who's just looking at us <gasps> like regally mm. <laughs> yeah it looks like he should be wearing like one of those old like 
um, <laughs> fancy Victorian suits, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Gentleman like multi poo. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, I love that. He's a little gentleman. Oh wait, we have one more. Oh. It crept up on us. Oh whoa! I was wrong. We have another one. There you go. Okay. Oh, I'm scared. We got a pronunciation um thing, so I'm I'm doing my best here. Okay, merite pronounced mer it a. Did I get that Marete. right? Marete. Oh, Jesus, Marete. I'm sorry, Marete. Okay, Marete, pronouns she, her, says, I need some assistant, assistance from AG's and Amy's small bullshit claims court. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. I feel like I should do this in an accent. Um, okay. Welcome I to the Beans the, uh, Court. Bullshit claims court. All rise. Okay, I came home to find the insole of my one of my shoes viciously abused. I have a suspect and some serious circumstantial evidence. See pictures of the maligned insole and individual D. The latter <laughs> picture contains photographic evidence of generalized dastardly behavior. I am asking the court to grant my petition of $2 to have my left sole <laughs> insole replaced. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, oh, that's guilty. That's I don't know, guilty. Amy. Amy, you're the judge. But wait, no, you're the judge. Okay, how about this? I'll be the judge and I'll say guilty and then you can commute the dog sentence. Okay, or I can be the guy outside of court who ends up working for TMZ eventually, Doug Llewellyn. <laughs> I'd be like, well, you know, you saw the photo of the shoe and the insole outside of the shoe, and then you flip two in the dishwasher hiding under the top rack. There oh. you have your culprit. Um, mm-hmm. I can't help it. Um, ma'am, I just, I had just, I was, the insole was delicious. <laughs> Whoa, he really did some surgery on that um, insole. I know. <laughs> or individual D did. I mean, it came out like perfectly, like. I would trust this dog to, like, pull out my appendix. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it did. Look, came out no problem. Hey, I will say, wait a second. You know what, though? Um, Marete, looking at the sole here, it doesn't seem damaged enough to me. I mean, right. I see the little wear, like the normal wear and tear from walking. Yeah. But I, I don't necessarily think there's enough damage here to warrant the full $2. I'm going to go ahead and award one dollar and then give the dog a treat that's my decision <laughs> i i agree with that court is dismissed mm. cool uh and uh-oh amy's court submission by john he and oh, him shit. and jade she her wrong she her wrong <sighs> Uh, okay. Hey, now we're getting court submissions. This is impressive. I love it. This is actually, this is a really lovely um, development that I'm very happy about. All right. Plaintiff, husband, defendant, wife, <laughs> seeking an injunction, claim. We have our normal disagreements. For instance, I, husband, can't stand dark hallways and installed LED lights for the sole purpose to leave the lights on and minimize stubbed toes and the loud <laughs> expletives that follow, which risk waking sleeping children. This bugs my wife. But this isn't what this complaint is about. Okay, good. We have a little background. We have a little background here in the court. Love it. Love it. This complaint is so egregious that I'm considering filing a criminal complaint. Looks like my preferred TV lawyer, Rudy Giuliani Esquire-ish, isn't available at the moment. But I figured (laughs) I would try Amy's court first since my kids would miss my wife. When she said when she was inevitably sent to Guantanamo, my wife thinks it's funny to spell things out with her dismembered hair on the shower (gasps) wall. Oh, my God. Pause while I throw up a little. 
I wash it off the wall and pile it up in the corner of the shower, hoping she will discard her rat's nest. In the past three years, bro, it may have been thrown away a handful of times. This current swamp oh nugget God. has been sitting there for a few months. Please help. Listen. Okay. Well, go ahead. You can finish that. Uh, that's the uh, claim. The defense, it says not applicable. Okay. Uh, and then it says attached for consideration are two per are two pups, Bernie and Frida, trying on their winter coats for the first time. Okay. So Listen. we've got the photo of the dogs. We've got spelled out words in hair that only get oh. thrown out every couple of months. Look, I, I'm going to have to recuse myself from this case because I have, a, a, when I say it's a phobia, it's a phobia of hair in the shower. In fact... When Tim and I were living in Canada in like a tiny little executive stay like apartment, the shower was so small that one could not avoid stray hairs in the shower. So before, if he were to take a shower last and I was going to, or sorry, first and I was going to take a shower after him, I would literally make him look at the shower to make sure there weren't like stray hairs because it would gross me out so much. So I, oh, I have no. to recuse myself. I cannot be I cannot be an impartial judge here. Well, it seems as though John might have the same phobia. Uh, yeah. uh, you're the judge, but I'll, I'll go ahead. Uh, you know, I'll be a court of appeals here. Great. Uh, you're recusing yourself. Because I would also send I would also send her to to Guantanamo, and that's not appropriate for this crime. But I I'm I'm very triggered by it. So please go ahead. Mm, yeah, see, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and file an amicus brief on behalf of Jade and say, hey, why is hair on her head when it's attached to her head okay and actually delightful and probably something that you would want to touch or smell or have fall around you? Uh, but then once it becomes detached from the scalp, it is abhorrent and disgusting. I don't quite understand that concept. Oh, uh, God, I do. I don't. I don't understand why it disembodied. I guess I guess if you looked at it like if someone's head is attached to their body, it's really great. and You want to kiss it and smooch it and pinch its cheeks. But once it's disembodied and you find just a head, that's probably gross. Um, yeah, I will say also, this. I, I, I'm, I'm acting as I'm acting as a prosecution here. But let me also just say. That, that, you know, every, I know, but I, I had to recuse myself and now I'm coming back as, you know, this is like a fantasy game we're playing here. <laughs> mm. Terrible at this job. But, but I think that actually, cause everyone knows like hair and nails are like dead, right? Like they're dead cells. So mm-hmm. once they become detached, you, you can't help but think like, Ooh, somebody was in here, you know, washing off the day's grime. And they left a piece of dirty hair behind. That hair might be clean. It could be clean hair. Oh, God. I don't know what it is. It just, it just, I'm sorry, John. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry about it. I would like to continue my amicus brief. I would like to continue (laughs) my amicus brief by saying it's fucking hilarious that she spells words. And I am actually going to, uh, before we make a decision, I think I need to put in an order, a minute order, requesting what words were spelled out with the hair. (laughs) I think if I knew how funny it was, I'd be able yeah. to probably render a more fair judgment. Without all the information, I think that, that we would need additional evidence. So we'll wait for that. Let's look at this dog photo. Oh, oh my this god. This makes up for the visual. Oh <gasps> my gosh. <gasps> is that a is that a Frenchie or a Boston? I don't know. 
know. That's a really good question. I think maybe is it something to do with the ears? Is that what separates or is the distinguishing factor? I think that's a Frenchie. And then the boxer. Oh my God, they're yeah. adorable. They're just so adorable. Oh, I love how um, I can't, I don't know if it's Bernie or Frida. I think Bernie might be the taller one, but I love how he sits without actually putting his butt on the floor. Oh my God, I didn't even notice that. He's squatting. See that? Yeah, it's like hover butt. That's adorable. <laughs> hover butt. Hover, 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 but wow, I'm, I'm going to need, I'm going to need to like have a drink after this because all of my senses are, you know, when someone says like, someone suggests like, Ooh, a snake. And then all of a sudden you feel snakes all over your body. Like I I would sooner stick my whole hand up a raw turkey and pull out the crap inside than have to face a rogue hair, even my own in the shower. You're funny. Well, I, I, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with the, with the gross out of the hair. I'm on board with that, but I really need that additional information. I've, I've yeah, that's, put, yeah, you're right. I filed the order. Um, you know, so, so say we all, well, I don't know how you end court order. I just signed so, my oh, name. And, but, and scene. Uh, uh, but I need to know what words are being spelled out with the hair. I think that's a very important piece of evidence that has not been included in this case. So thank you, uh, John and Jade. Uh, we will look forward to your uh, reply. Um, and I give you until one week from today, midnight. Um, all right, that's it. That's the good news. Do you have anything you want to say on the way out, Amy? Uh, we're almost there, guys and gals and everyone and folks. Uh, I don't know where we're going, but it's got to be better than here. <laughs> you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. It's like can't last call for here. the administration. <laughs> <laughs> I love it Uh, everybody we'll see you at 4 o'clock for the happy hour on Zoom and uh, we don't we can't open it up to the public anymore we've had a we've been crashed before so we'll see you then until then everyone please take care of yourselves take care of each other take care of your mental health and take care of the planet I've been AG and I've been Amy Carrero and them's the beans The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane, with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media.